Well, good morning, church family. Should I say Happy New Year? Come back. Happy New Year. Goodness, goodness. That's a little different today, right? We've got like young, old, and old and young, and all the, okay, let's do this. Boys and girls, hey, you can say hi. Okay? I actually, in fact, you're probably going to interact with me today, okay? And so that's okay. Adults, get over it. Okay? This is what I'm talking about. This is all of God's people in one room. How cool is this? Now, for those of you who may not know me, I'm Derek. I'm the family pastor here. And, uh, man, I've, I've really been excited about today. Knowing that, hey, Ben, knowing that I've got young and old in here. And so today's going to be a little different. But before I get into all that hullabaloo, I want to draw your attention to next Sunday. We've got a ministry fair. Kids say, what's a ministry fair? Oh, man, come on. So a ministry fair is where you can find out ways to serve and get plugged into the ministries within our church. And it's going to be between both services next Sunday. Now, a selfless plug here, or shameful, whatever the word is, shameless plug, that's it. (laughs) Shameless plug is we need kids volunteers. So come find me at the table first before you look at any of the other places, okay? All right. Okay, so some of you know me from being up here in adult services preaching. It's not going to be exactly like that today. Some of you, kids, raise your hand, know me from VBS or back in the kids' side. It's not exactly going to be like that either. I tried my best to connect the dots and combine the two. So I am promising this, boys and girls, we have to do an experiment at some point. And the experiment is going to be at the very end, which means you got to put your good listening ears on now so that the experiment at the end makes sense. Got it? Good. All right, so today is the first day of 2023. I thought, what better way than to be super cliche and talk about beginnings? Because it's the beginning of a new year, right? And so I have this theory, and I'm going to need your help interacting with me. I want to test a theory out about beginnings. So what's going to be on the screen behind me in in just a minute is going to be a first beginning line of either a story, a book, a poem, some literary work. As soon as you know the name of the book or work, I want you to just shout it out. See what I mean, kids? You get to shout, okay? All right? You ready? Let's try the first one. First one is, where's Papa going with that axe? I'm sorry? Charlotte's Web. Very good. Charlotte's Web. Proof right there. All right, now you get it? Adults, I want you to interact too, okay? All right, here's the next one. There was a boy called Eustace Clarence Scrub, and he almost deserved it. The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Now we're going to find out the people who only watch books 
versus the people who actually read books. Okay, here's the next one. Kids, you're not gonna know this one. This is for all the old people. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Tale of Two Cities. Yes, by Charles Dickens. All right? All right, this one, I think this will get upper elementary, middle, and or high school. Ready? Here we go. First, let me get something straight. This is a journal, not a diary. Diary of a wimpy kid. Ha, huh. good beginnings, huh? All right, next one. Mr. and Mrs. Dursley of number four Privet Drive. How many of you actually read the book? How many of you didn't read the book but watched the movie? Harry Potter? Okay. We got a few more. Okay, kids, I, I got to throw a bone to all the like old people here. Here we go. Once upon a midnight dreary as I pondered weak and weary. The Raven. Yes, I heard it. Edgar Allan Poe. So now I clearly know we've got a room of people who don't read the Psalms because it's poetry and none of y'all knew it except one person. All right, next. In a hole in the ground, there lived a hobbit. False. The hobbit. The hobbit. All right, two more. Here we go. Thanks for sticking with me. Here we go. Chub, chub, chub. Puff, puff, puff. Ding dong, ding dong. The little engine that could. And most of the parents and adults would know that. That's your favorite book, Keith, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, last one. Watch this. Ready? In the beginning, God created. Thank you. Thank you. See, follow this on the screen behind me. Great beginnings matter because they're memorable. Some of y'all were fuzzy on the first date. But the one I was hoping everyone would get, the one that matters, the great beginning, you got. Because great beginnings matter because they're memorable. So today what we're going to do is we're going to look at three beginnings. Okay? We're going to look at the beginning of the Gospel of John. Then we're going to look at the beginning of the Bible and how that's connected. And then we're going to look at the beginning of new life. So let's look at the beginning of the Gospel of John. Now we're going to be in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Kids, grab a Bible in front, turn to page 886. You've got an adult who can help you get there. John 1, 1 through 5. Now let me set this up, boys and girls, young and old. The beginning of the Gospel of John is different than the beginnings of other Gospels. Right? Like, you probably read the beginning of Luke just last week, because that was the Christmas narrative, right? It goes over the birth of Jesus and all that stuff. And then some of the other Gospels start off with a genealogy, like grandmom, mom, dad. Like, it goes through all of the generations up to Jesus. Now, John, the Gospel of John, is completely different. It's called a prologue. Now, the prologue of John is the first 18 verses, adults. But you're welcome. We're only looking at the first five today. Okay, so it's called a prologue. Boys and girls, a prologue is this. Ready? And adults who may not know. It's an introductory section of a piece of work. 
Meaning, this is the very first thing you read that sets up the rest of the story. So in these first, specifically five verses, but up to the first 18, John is setting up his entire body of work in the Gospel of John. And it's specifically labeling out what the purpose is and things like that. So let's do this. Let's stand in honor of reading God's word. And I want to try something. Read with me. Kids, young and old. You can either read behind, read in a Bible in front. You got it. Here we go. John 1. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Thank you. This is the beautiful word of God. You may be seated. So kids and adults... How about this? When I address the kids, I'm addressing adults too, because I don't feel like keep saying adults, okay? So, but kids, whenever you see scripture behind and I'm reading, you read with me. Got it? Okay, good. All right, so the whole point in this prologue, in the first five verses, that John's doing is to set up the main character and the purpose of his writing so that we understand where he's going to take us as we read the following chapters and verses of John. So he's setting up the main character. Who's the main character? God, specifically Jesus. Kids, remember what I say? 99% of the time, Jesus is the right answer at church. It was 100% right this time, right? <laughs> now, Jesus, it, it, Jesus is also called the word of God, but the word made flesh. Right? So the word that was in human form. Jesus came down to earth in human form. And then John's purpose is setting up this beautiful light and life theme throughout his work. And I'll probably remind you later, but if you haven't read John in a while, go back and read John. And just look how much light and life as a recurring theme, specifically as the light and life of Christ. And read through that. With that lens, it's a game changer. But see, he's setting up Jesus as the life and light that was brought into a dark world full of sin and death. And John is setting up Jesus' birth without actually talking about Jesus' birth. And he's setting it up as something marvelous, hopeful. Meaningful, memorable. And he's also calling Jesus the Word made flesh. Here's why. Jesus, the Word made flesh, helps us understand that he is the only one who can make God the Father known to us. Jesus is the only one that can make God the Father known and reveal God the Father to us. Fallen, sinful people in a sinful dark world and John is also setting us up to understand that Jesus was in the beginning in the beginning was the word the word is pertaining to who Jesus so in the beginning and actually if you think about it 
before anything, before any beginning you can think of. Think about the beginning of your yesterday. Jesus was there. Think about the beginning of the 19, I don't know, 1994 World Series. Jesus was there. The beginning of your birth, beginning of your great, 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 and so on and so forth, grandfather's birth. Who was there? Jesus. The beginning of your yesterday, all the way back, Jesus always was. And John wants us to marvel at this fact. Get this, that Jesus is eternal. Jesus is eternal. He always was, he always is, and always is to come. Kind of cool, huh? All in the first verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, He was in the beginning with God, Jesus. But there's no coincidence why John used these words in the beginning. See, John is tying in the beginning of his gospel with the other great beginning. In the beginning, God created. Right? So he's tying in the beginning of the Bible. The beginning of everything where Jesus already was. So let's go back and look at the very beginning. The beginning of the Bible. And so here we are at the very beginning of the Bible. At the beginning of everything. All creation. Anything you see wasn't back then. Except God. Now kids, I'm, I'm going to read this verse. Now I'm going to ask a question. And then I'm going to give you instruction. Okay? Here we go. Genesis 1, 1 through 2. It'll be behind so you don't have to keep flipping back and forth. But read this with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of of the deep. Kids, your adult is with you. Adult, your kid is with you. But what do you notice here? Darkness. Right? Darkness. There we go. It shouldn't. It's just an illustration, Benny. So, in the beginning, Darkness. And in this pre-creation darkness and chaos, who was here? God. Specifically, God the Father, God the Son, who is also known as Jesus. The Word of God made what? Flesh. And God the Holy Spirit. How cool is it to know that before anything was created, God was here. But then, let's take this a step further. Specifically, one verse further. Oh, wait, it's dark. You can't read, can you? I'll read it for you. We'll put it up on the back screen. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, what do you notice? God said, let there be light. He said it. 
With just a spoken word, God created light and continued creating with just his word. And so the first three verses of John tell us something. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now, boys and girls, this verse is confusing. I'll explain it in a second. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So here's what John's communicating in these first three verses. That everything that's ever been made was made through Jesus, the word of God. See, Jesus is God's agent for creating all things. He is the very word of God, and he was there at the very beginning. And with just his spoken word, God created what? Light out of nothing. And as the creation story unfolds, light and life were brought forth out of this pre-creation darkness by just the word of God, and everything came to be. Right? But then something happened. God got through all this creating, and then he created his most, his biggest masterpiece. Us. Now, if you go venture to read in your Bible, which I encourage you to do and do very often, God didn't speak us into existence. What does it say he did? With his hands. He formed us and made us in his own image. Adam and Eve, specifically, the first. And he made them. He took the time to form them, to touch them. He didn't speak it. He could have. But he took the time to mold us, to fashion us and form us into his beautiful image. How glorious is that? That's super cool. But then we have what's called the fall. Y'all remember what that is, boys and girls? Where Adam and Eve sinned, right? Yeah, you remember? Their pride got in the way. Remember, they were like in the garden, right? They were in the garden. And the garden was in a relationship, fellowship with God. Like God was walking through the garden. Like they were there with him. How stinking cool is that? Everything was perfect. Everything was perfect. But then their pride got in the way. And Adam and Eve wanted to be like God. And they disobeyed God. And what happened? From that moment on, now everything that was glorious, perfect, light, full of life, now darkness descended back into creation. Sin and death. Remember, boys and girls, we talk about the consequences of sin, and sin is disobeying God, and the consequences of sin, simply put, is death, and separation from God forever. And we see that illustrated with Adam and Eve, the first two, the original ones who did sin, right? He cast them out of the garden. That was basically saying, hey, we're separated. God is holy, he's perfect, he's everything we're not. We can't be in his presence. He cast them out. And what do we notice? We all end up dying, right? It's a sad thing, 
But it's a reality. We do. And so those consequences of sin were just ravaging through. No longer was things eternal. No longer were things perfect. Now things were dark, messed up, muddy. Think about your worst day. Proof, right, that sin and darkness is in this world in your worst day? Think about your best day. There's still proof that sin and death and darkness is still here. Boys and girls, come on. Everybody raise your hand. Boys and girls, uh, adults, I, I messed up when I said that. Like, really, boys and girls, raise your hand. Keep your hand up if you've perfectly obeyed your mom and dad. Ha! All right, adults, raise your hand. Keep your hand up if you've perfectly treated someone with respect and love and integrity, especially when they didn't deserve it. Yeah, just go drive in traffic for like five minutes. Or have six kids like my wife and I. You want to know how I'm a sinner? I've got six of them that show me every day I am in desperate need of a savior. God uses those six beautiful knuckleheads that I love so much to refine me. But also to remind me, we live in a fallen world. One that's full of darkness and full of sin. And all of this points to death and separation from God. But see, when we go back to the Gospel of John and we read verses 4 and 5, we begin to see something that John is setting up in a very beautiful way. In him was life, in Jesus was life, and the life was the light of man. Where are my readers? The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. See, in these verses, John's gospel is showing the beginning of new life. The beginning of new life. You see, just as the word of God brought forth the physical light and life of creation into the darkness of that pre-creation chaos, so now the word of God made flesh, Jesus Christ, brings spiritual light and life into this dark world of sin and death. Kids, adults, the pertinent question is, how? So let's use scripture to explain scripture. Ephesians 2. It's a beautiful chapter, all of Ephesians 2. But we're going to look at some verses from it. Ephesians 2, 1 and 2, what does this say? And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Kids, I know that sounds weird. We're dead already? I'm alive. I'm breathing. <sighs> Pulse check? Yes, I'm alive. It's saying we're spiritually dead. Because we're born sinners. We're all sinners. Everyone has fallen short of the glory of God. And then in Ephesians, well, it tells us that we're spiritually dead and this death also means separation from God forever. This is the bad news. This is the bad news. But in order to have bad news, what do you have? But God. Best two words 
in all of the Bible, in my opinion. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. I don't think he kept up with us. We're kind of quick. Now this tells us that God loves us so much that he, that he gave grace to us to be saved. This is the good news. It's called gospel. Gospel means good news. This is the gospel. The good news of John is Jesus Christ. It's always Jesus Christ. And then a few verses down in verses 8 and 9, it says this. For by grace you have been saved through. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Grace is getting something that we didn't earn. Like a gift. Like, think about it. Christmas. You think maybe I got presents because I was good to my parents or whoever, right? Wrong. They gave you gifts because they love you. Even though you're punk sometimes. I'm a punk sometimes. Grace is unearned. See, this verse tells us that we can do nothing to be saved. It is a gift of God. You can have a best day for the rest of your life. Please, thank yous, you're welcome, may I, oh you're great, treating everybody with respect. And guess what? That is not good enough. To fix our broken relationship with God. It's not enough. We can try and try and try. And adults, let's be honest. We fall into that trap. And it manifests itself in ways of financials. Work. Being super prideful because of our kids' success. And finding our identity in our kids. In sports. Instead of Christ. And we fall in that trap. We are all sinners. But there's good news for us. And the good news is Jesus Christ. Romans 5.8 says this. But God shows his love for us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then probably the most famous verse in the Bible. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever in him should not perish but have. And in that eternal life is perfect, unbroken fellowship with God. The Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. And in that trusting and believing in Christ, there is nothing that can separate us. Nothing. This is the good news. From spiritually dead to alive. From walking in darkness now to walking in light. And here is where we find the beginning of new life. Belief and faith in Jesus Christ alone. The giver of new life. God sent Jesus, the word made flesh, to become a man and bring life and light into our dark world. To make God the Father known to you and I. 
Because only Jesus could live a perfect life and obey God the Father perfectly. Do you believe this? Jesus crossed every T, dotted every I, said everything he was supposed to say because you and I will never be able to. Do you believe this? Because only Jesus could die the death that we deserve. Do you believe this? Pride gets in the way. Some of us think that we don't deserve. Oh, yes, we do. Because only Jesus could conquer sin and death and be raised to life forever. Do you believe this? It's the most important if you get in life. If Christ was not raised from the grave, then everything else is void. We have absolutely no hope. We're dead, stuck without God forever. That if matters. But if Christ was raised from the grave, which indeed he was three days later, then we have hope. Do you believe this? Because when we believe and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, we will have eternal life and no longer be separated from God. I remember when the beginning of my new life began. It was like when I totally got it. It was like one of those, Aha! Moments. Like, when you totally realize, dude, I'm dirty rotten. I am just a jerk. I just, I'm selfish. <laughs> and I realized I've been trying to do things as much as I could my way. And realized it's Jesus Christ that did it all for me. And now the purpose of my life is to glorify him in everything I say and do and think. And I'm still going to get it wrong, but thanks be to God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son that he did it perfectly for me. Have you experienced that aha moment? Where all of a sudden the light switches on and you're just like filled with new life. In him was life and the life was the light of men. Remember when I asked you earlier to think of any beginning you could? Like go as far back as you could. Remember when I told you that Jesus was at that beginning? Well, Jesus is at the beginning of new life. It all starts with Jesus. Light and life in each of our lives starts with Jesus alone. He is the beginning of new life for those who believe and have faith. This is the greatest beginning because it matters. Great beginnings matter because they're memorable. So, I promised you boys and girls, young and old, an experiment. I'm losing my voice. <clears throat> so let's pretend and say a prayer. One that I don't die. <laughs> no. Um, safety first, kids, always. Which means i got to put these on because I'm notorious for saying safety first and then leaving the goggles on my head. So just everybody do this if I have not put them down when I come back over here. Okay? Deal? Okay. Um, so Ephesians 2 said, and we were dead in the trespasses and sins. Right? Spiritually dead. So let's pretend we're this bottle. Spiritually dead. It's rolling. I didn't play it here. 
it's dead. There's no life, no light in this. And, and the Bible's very clear that we are separated from God by this vast chasm because of our sin. And there's not a thing that we can do to get to God. So let's pretend, boys and girls, just for imagery, no object lesson is perfect, so adults don't just try and scrutinize and get the point. Let's pretend God is here. Specifically, a relationship with God. Here, forever. Do me a favor. Go sit by Gage one row back, please. <clears throat> so let's pretend. Now the Bible's clear, we can't do anything, right? Even if we think we're doing right, we can't, we can't get over there. We can't be in a relationship with God without who? Jesus, right. Yeah, so I've got to do a little something first before we carry on with the little experiment. It's okay, not yet. I appreciate your love for me. You know what's funny? I didn't hear my kids or my wife warn me. <laughs> Babe, I'm just kidding. Suspense is killing me. Okay. So this is dead, right? There's not a thing it can do. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit starts working in our life to let us know that things just aren't right in our world. I don't know, adults, maybe, maybe you've grown tired and weary at your job. You feel like a failure. You feel like everything you do is a disaster. My wife and I were so tired coming back from our trip down to Florida and like bless her heart she had the case of the dropsies you know like where just everything you pick up just drops and it's very frustrating and then that lets us know that our hands are sinners too you know because we just drop but kids the most important beginning you'll ever have is the beginning of new life in Christ. And see, the Bible says we're dead in our trespasses, right? And there's not a thing we can do to get over there, except but God being rich in mercy. Because of what? Do you remember? The great love with which he loved us? Sent Jesus to live a perfect life, died the death that we deserve, and raised to life. Okay. So, so when I, I had you move because when I practiced it, it's straight up like jacked right here. But see, the light and life of Jesus Christ brings us alive. And now the Bible says we're alive with Christ. Here's what I want you to leave with. I'm going to put it up behind me. The beginning of new life is the greatest beginning you'll ever have. Better than a marriage, better than a birth, better than anything. The beginning of new life is the greatest beginning you'll ever have. So my prayer is twofold today. For those of you who may not have believed in Jesus Christ at this point in your life, I pray the Holy Spirit turns that light bulb on in your heart by the grace of God the Father through Jesus Christ his Son. And in turn you trust and believe that you truly come alive because of the glorious work of Jesus Christ in death, burial, and resurrection. Now, for those of you who do believe, 
My prayer is that you shine the light of Christ to the dark world around you by the things you think, the things you say, the things you do. I read a friend's post being salt and light. He was referring to Jesus' words. His disciples saw it stand out for the right things. That you, as Ephesians 2.10 says, that you walk in the good works that God prepared beforehand for you to walk in. Good works are hard. Good works are good. Good works are frustrating, but they're good works because Christ uses them to mold you more in his image and to also shine the light of Christ to those around you because we have hope and peace and joy and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. All of the fruit of the Spirit is contained within us when we've trusted and believe in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, you were in the beginning. God, and that should be enough. But instead, God, we are desperately in need of you. Of being reminded, God, who we are, cherished and loved by you, but distanced because of our sinful hearts. God, I pray if there's a heart out here today that has not trusted and believed in you, God, do your work. The work that only you can do. Bring that soul to life and shine the light of your loving son in their life this morning. God, for those of us who are your sons and daughters, God, just help us. God, the times are really hard right now. Help us to be light. Help us to be reminded, God, that you've done so much for us that we just don't deserve any of it. But God, through it all, your grace and your mercy is astronomically big for each of us. So God, as we sing this song and turn our hearts and our mouths and words that we sing to you, God, remind us. It's in Jesus' beautiful, holy, and glorious name we pray. Amen.